Hey there, companions. This is another remastered episode. Originally recorded in October of 2016, I am releasing this remastered version in July of 2020. This has been a tough one to get done because this is before I knew what I was doing podcast-wise and did not save the raw audio files. I only have the audio from the previous version. Again, this is another episode before we bumped up the mic quality, and I'm recording this intro on the new mics to show you where we get to. Also, another thing to note, if you haven't realized yet, I compose most of the music for the podcast. As I go through these remasters, I will be working more on the songs that I make and releasing them on my YouTube page. The songs from episode 2 are already available on the YouTube page, and you can find it by going to youtube.com slash music. Like David Cole Music. Me, D. Cole Music. Please head over there and hit the subscribe button for me if you are enjoying what I'm doing. But today's episode is the first of three character introduction episodes. Today you will be meeting Flynn Cartwright, aka Finch. He is a human ranger from the Forest of Tempia. The Forest of Tempia is a large forest south of Dolewood, which is the forest from the previous episode with Druce and Phelan. Between these two forests is a large swampy region called River's End, and people have been reporting kidnappings throughout the region. So companions, strap on your boots and sharpen your blades as we follow Finch on this quest to the town of Arendor. Traveling deep into the forest at sunrise, approaching your appointed meeting place with the Crimson Command Scout. Finch, you have used this meeting place for a previous escort mission you helped the Crimson Command with recently, about a month ago. Now you have been summoned again, but this time you're not sure why. As you approach the Crescent Stone, a large natural rock formation in the side of the hill, you see a man sitting in the arc of the stone from afar. He sits with an informal, relaxed posture, smoking from a pipe and pushing his foot around in the dirt. You sit and watch from a distance for some time as you normally do when you meet someone secretly. And as he sits straight up and stretches his arms in the air, on the left side of his chest you see a faded emblem of the Crimson Command. I approach. You show yourself from hiding and move towards him. As he hears you, he puts his hand softly on his hilt of his sword and says, Halt! Your name? I'll put my hand slowly on my hilt, nod, and say, Finch, the one you're here to meet. He removes his hand when he learns that your name is Finch, and moves that same hand out as he walks towards you to shake your hand. Do the same. Thank you for meeting me, Finch. I have been sent by the Crimson Command to investigate a village near here. The name of the village is Arendor. Do you know it? I haven't been there in about a month. It's, it's usually I make monthly uh, travels to my, to, the, to my towns. How far away from here is it? about five miles. Would you mind taking me there today? Look up the sun, check the time. It's sunrise. Um, it's just in the early in the morning. Still got that morning dew scent. Yeah, we could, we could go now. So the two of you make your way to the road near here and head towards Arendor. Bench. 
Why don't you go ahead and tell our listeners a little about your character to substitute for this travel time? My birth name is Flynn Cartwright. Nickname Finch. I am about six foot tall, 165 pounds. I'm wearing basic kind of like brown, maybe leather armor, black hooded cowl that can hide my face at times, black boots. As Finch does, he uh, he, he kind of grew up in a poor family, his mother and father. They own a kind of shack-style general store that's not the most popular inside the city. Um, the father went blind, so my mother took me and one of their cheap guards to go to one of the villages to trade goods and make some money where my mother was mugged and murdered. And then that village kind of like took me in for a second and made sure that I was fed and bathed and kept well until and my this father is Aaron, where, where we're going? To Aaron. Okay. So my father could retrieve me. So I kind of feel somewhat of a bond towards them. Um, I kind of I live in the woods in between. Um, let's see, what's the city's name again? Is it Tempia? That yeah, that's the capital city of. Television. So I'm between Tempia and Arendor, kind of in the woods there. That's where I live. It's kind of an obscure, simplistic kind of treehouse with two levels. Let's see. I gotta keep eyes on all the trade routes that go through the woods. Throughout all of the like injustices my character saw growing up being poor and sane. For you listeners, he has a whole sheet of paper. It's just like all of text, basically, about his character background. Yeah, I don't, I don't write out everything I'm going to read word for word. I write out lines. They kind of give me a gist of what I want to say, so I read it and then I talk about the lines. Yeah, I mean, like the I'm just hoping the rest of our characters do the same thing. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, no, I watch the trade routes again through all the injustices, being poor and just watching, you know, the high class look down on the lower class. And my character is totally not into that. He's, it just it wasn't fair, and you know everyone deserves the right of uh, pursuit of happiness and freedom. You know? So yeah, it kind of steals from the rich on some of those routes they they make, and then he'll kind of go to Arendor, different villages around, and kind of spread the wealth without trying to give away who he actually is. Um, one of the things that you might find out later on is that he keeps a lot of the art in one of the levels of his treehouse. So he keeps the art, but gives all like the, the actual jewels like, and gold and like stuff like that. He'll spread around to the poor in the villages, food and stuff. He'll spread around, and then if he gets some jewels, he may pawn some himself to, so he can live. And then he also goes now that his mother has passed. He'll go into Tempia about once a month as well on his rounds to check in on his father and uh, make sure that he is supplied with the things right. that he needs. So, so you have a good relationship with your father then? Yes. So while you're traveling with Barrick, he actually speaks up to you in y'all's travel time and says, So how did you become an informant of the Grims of Command? You, you being out here in the middle of nowhere, it seems a little odd that you have contact with anyone. Well, you know, I could ask you the same thing, but I'll go ahead and answer your question first. Well, I mean, I'll say, I, if, if, you, if you're really looking for some, some kind of like trust or comfort level, I mean, I was picked by the Crimson Command as a child, so I've kind of grown up into the into the Crimson Command. I just recently, this is one of my first missions, actually. Okay, well, congratulations, Barry. Thank you. Um, as I assume, I guess no one has told you, I, I do live out here in the woods, so um, I am 
kind of take things that aren't mine sometimes from people who don't need them and give them to the people in need. And one of those times I may have been informed or wrong on who was coming through one of my roots, and it just so happened to be Crimson Command. So that's how Captain Siani knows you. That's how me and Siani got to know each other, yes. Though you may be new to me, Captain Siani seems very fond of you. So as the two of you approach the village, the sweet scent of baked goods fills your senses. Finch, you realize that you've kind of lost track of time and that right now is actually the spring quantum, the festival of harvest and good harmony during the springtime. And it seems to have just begun. And when you see the small village, you see their own little festival going on. And you being from Tempia, you've seen some extravagant festivals going on for the spring quantal and the fall quantal. But here, the decorations and the activities are small in comparison to those large cities. There are small banners being hung between homes and children playing games in the street. There are tables with large quantities of food laid out for the village to partake in. And as you enter into the village, distracted by all the festivities, you turn back to Beric to see he has stopped and started a conversation with one of the locals. And as you approach, you hear this part of the conversation. When, when was the last time you saw him? Uh, yesterday. He hasn't come out of his home since he gave up on his search. He and the others, thanks. I'll go visit him. Thank you for the information. Beric then approaches you as you started to turn back to him. Our contact is down this way. Once again, you, you sure there's nothing strange about this town that you've, no, you've noticed recently? No. If anything, I'd say that we're pretty lucky to have arrived uh, during the quantum. As you follow Beric, he leads you to a small cottage made like a log cabin. Beric walks up to the door and knocks. You see a man with bags under his eyes that seem recently teary. He's a young man, but you can sense the anxiety and stress on him. Uh, can, can I help you? Are you Leland? Yeah, yes. May we come inside and talk? It's about your son. The man's eyes widen as he opens the door and welcomes you inside. You see a lady sitting nervously on the couch, and as he closes the door behind you, he tells you to sit on the chairs in the living area. He then sits next to the woman. You have some information about our son? Well, I'm more along the lines here to investigate. I'm from the Crimson Command, and this is my partner, Finch. I was sent here to possibly help you if you can maybe give me some more information. From my understanding, three people have been reported missing from this village, and your son is now the fourth. Do you have any information about his disappearance? The man from the cottage begins to describe the day his son went missing. He found his son's hat in the backyard of their home, which he never goes anywhere without. After looking around for a while, he describes an area of the grass that seems smoothed over as if something was dragged along it. There were patches of grass ripped up and led into the forest. There were pieces of vine along the trail as well. He then stands up and walks the two of you over the window and points in the direction of his trail. I, th I think something in the forest came and took him. Does, sorry, let me interrupt you. I'm sorry, does, does your son maybe play in the woods? Does he go in the woods often? Is he familiar with the area? Most of the village folk don't like for their children to go out into the forest. I mean, who would? But I'm sure they've snuck off here and there, him and his friends. How far from actually inside the house, if I'm looking out their window, is the woods? Like, can I see the woods? Um, yeah, so it's like, like... just past their backyard kind like, of thing? It's like or? right out the backyard. So this village is kind of torn down the trees, like the perimeter of the village. But this house seems to be on the edge of that perimeter. Mm -hmm. And so its backyard is facing the forest. 
and you can actually see like the dense shrubbery on the ground of the forest, about 30 feet from the house. Thank you, sir. This is good information. If there's anything you need, let me know. I will continue to investigate to determine if I can help. Beric starts to walk towards the door, almost emotionless as he opens the door. He turns back to you and kind of looks at you, waiting. So maybe I'll turn back to the family okay. for one last time. Just kind of, is there any other clues at all? Anything? I mean, what he was wearing that day? What a significant smell? Did he take keep food on him? Was he kind of like a peanut kid or something? I, I mean, really, there's nothing significant about his clothes or his scent. He's just a boy, blonde, pale-skinned, height, weight. He was ten years old, about four feet tall. Husky? No. Yeah. Skinny? I mean, he was just playing in the backyard from last time we saw him, and then... We didn't see a thing. We didn't see anything. We kind of turn back to Beric and just give him a nod and start to walk towards the door, and I'll leave it up to him whether or not he lets me walk past him or not. Um, Beric, as he sees you approaching, actually just leaves, like, goes out the door before you, and the man kind of follows you towards the door and closes it behind you without really any kind of farewell. Eric then starts to walk towards the backyard. He picks up a piece of old vine that's about a foot in length off the ground, and he hands it to you and says, D- Do you recognize this? Do I recognize it? Give me a nature check. Nature! Eleven. No, you don't recognize it, actually. Well, I would probably going to basically just kind of scout that area and start walking towards the woods and the... All right, give me an investigation about. check as well. Four. Okay. You kind of walk around the backyard for a little bit. You notice the trail, like the, you know, like the house of grass has been kind so of... So there's still indentions There in is the still sort of an indention. And How long you, ago did they say it happened? Uh, a couple days ago. A couple days ago. So, I mean, like, it's kind of lifted up a little bit, but you can, like, call them kind of like a tire going through grass. Like, mm-hmm. you can see a yeah. little bit of a trail, but... It's been pressed. Yeah. And you also see, like, the torn up grass, like maybe he was clawing at the grass or something. Mm-hmm. But really, you get nothing else out of it. And Barrett kind of walks around dumbfounded as well. No, I, I live in these woods, and I, I haven't noticed anything out of the ordinary myself, right? Was, no, you you haven't seen anything out of the ordinary. So this is even a little more shocking to my character, I would think. I think we, in fact, do have an imbalance of creation in this area. Maybe even chaos. I will need to summon more members of the Crimson Command to come investigate. In the meantime, I'll need you to... You hear a woman scream from nearby. The two of you rush to the location of the scream and see a woman being pulled out of the back door of her home. Vines reaching into the house and pulling her out. She's on her like belly and kind of scraping at the ground trying to pull herself back. And as you trace the vines going into the forest, you see a humanoid creature made completely of vines walking in the woods, dragging her behind. I'm gonna, I guess, draw my bow and kind of like look at Beric and like, you know, get ready, something's about to happen. Beric unsheaths his sword and starts to rush in and you notch an arrow. Give me initiative. So while you're looking, give me a uh, perception check. Twelve. 
like as you're notching the arrow and starting to aim at the humanoid creature, you look at it a little bit closer and you realize that it's completely made of vines, like I had mentioned a little bit ago. And then you realize what it is. It's a blight. One of these. Okay, it kind of looks like a swamp thing. (laughs) (laughs) For those of you who don't have the book, it looks kind (laughs) of like swamp thing, only a little less swampy. So y'all get the surprise attack on the blight, so you release an arrow, and Barrett rushes in with his sword. Ooh, baby. That's a 25. That's a hit. One. (laughs) Just one? Just one. (laughs) 1d8. 1d8. Alright. Aim was impeccable, but... Your strength behind this, behind the pool. lobbed it on over there. (laughs) Uh, You see the arrow pierce into the vines of this humanoid. He turns and, like, makes a stare at you, and then turns to Barrick, releases the lady with one arm, and starts to swing his vines, but Barrick gets the upper hand on his attack. For five damage. Nice, Barrick. <laughs> and he swings his sword at the vine coming towards him, the vine of the arm of vines. The vine of the arm of vines. The arm of vines. <laughs> and uh, cuts pieces of it off, but the vines still swing right at him and miss. He easily dodges, ducks the vines as they swing over his head. And then it's your turn again, Finch. What's this terrain? Are we like in the woods now? Or are we still like kind of in a backyard? We're still in the backyard. He's at, he's at the edge of the woods, so like he's like five feet into the woods. Beric is also still in the backyard because the arm of vines was still in the backyard, dragging the lady behind him. You're about, we'll say, you're thirty feet from him, mm-hmm. and uh, Beric's ten feet from him. I'm trying to think of all the things I can get done in a single turn. All right, well, I'll probably just end up notching another area then. All right. Well, that's a hit. All right, thank God. Two. And Barak takes another swing at the blight. Ooh, a crit. Nice. Barak might be your savior. Man. Dude, yeah, Barak's making like a punk. <laughs> <laughs> he then moves forward on the blight and slashes upwards from like crotch area up to the neck and just cuts through the blight completely. And the blight crumbles into many different pieces of vines to the ground. But then as he crumbles, you see vines reach out from the forest again towards Barrett. And then as you look to your left, you also see a, a stretch of vines coming towards you as well. Uh, give me a reflex save. Oh, not reflex. That's wrong. Dexterity save. Crit miss. Crit miss. All right. Nice are not treating you well today. They are not. <laughs> All right, you have been grappled. Uh, on your turn, you can take a strength check to try and break the grapple. Sounds good. Uh, it looks like Beric also failed his dexterity save, so he will be doing the same on his turn. Lord. Uh, you're first, so give me a strength check. Here we go. Unless you want to, you know, just shoot while you're grappled. Well, I already rolled for strength, and I got a seven. You did not break through the grapple. Didn't think so. Beric, however, did. So Beric breaks through the vines and uses his sword to cut more of them away. As he starts to rush towards the forest, he screams towards you, Two more! Shit! (laughs) You see Beric run into the forest, and you see him starting to, like, fight with one of them, and he swings his sword again. That's a hit. It's a big hit. 13 damage. It's Crimson Command for a reason. 
and training his life for this mission. He cuts into the blight and rips it to the side, and you see the blight uh, not crumble like the previous one, but just kind of fall to the ground. You see the uh, arm of vines kind of retract back into the creature. So he took that one out with one swing. He did. <laughs> he was born into the command. I merely adopted <laughs> Give me a, uh, another strength check real quick before I let this do damage to you. Come on, strength. That's another seven. That's not enough. You will take nine bludgeoning damage. Good lord. Is 12. <laughs> Don't erase it. Just write underneath it, my, like minus nine or something. <laughs> yeah, for those of you that don't realize, um, before we started this podcast, we were playing another DD game with previous characters. We played 3.5, right? We've been playing 3.5 for like five years. Yeah, at least. So Matt here is not used to having 12 HP. Yeah, or this <laughs> setup as far as like your. Cheat goes, it's a little different. Yeah, so I'm gonna edit out the pauses, obviously. Because some, some, most, at least, you know, shorten the pause while we point at character sheets silently. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you are unable to break through again. Yeah. So Barrack rushes towards the blight that's reaching towards you and uh, cut slashes at the arms and that are reaching out from the forest for a hit. Dude's gonna save your life. He really is. <laughs> Good thing he's just a level one paladin. I feel so emasculated on <laughs> my opening session. He does cut, like, chop into the arm, but he doesn't break through all the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just like a half thing. So we're gonna say you take half the damage if you don't break through the grapple this time. Okay. Yes. It, wait, more than that. 18. I get a beat with a 12. Well, I got 18. <laughs> so you use your biceps and you break through the grapple of the vines and you sling around outside of it, notch an arrow, and aim towards the blight. Eight. <laughs> and the arrow flies into a tree. I, I have rolled a two 50% of the time so far. <laughs> and one crit miss. Yeah, and one crit miss. <laughs> Might be time to get some new dice, Dude, I mean, that's the belief, right? Seriously, yeah. They're tapped out <laughs> while they're good mojo. Uh, Barry goes in towards the... <laughs> need to borrow yours. Barry runs towards the uh, blight in the forest, and you hear just a slink of a sword as he brings the blight down to his knees. And uh across the blight. So that's the last one. Did he kill it? He killed it. He killed all of them. He killed all three of them. <laughs> I'm gonna put my bow in one hand and just kind of like lean on it, you know, and like kind of cross my legs with like my head poked out and just kind of wait for him to look over at me. And just kind of give him a nod like, a, well done, sir. He walks towards you slowly, out of breath. And like almost just to continue the conversation. So as I was saying, in the meantime, I need you to watch and monitor over this village night and day for about two weeks. Where will you be going? I'm going to go get reinforcements from the Crimson Command. I can't get word to them from here. I'll have to get somewhere else to send word to them. Is there is there word of this happening in any of the other surrounding villages of this, of these, this forest that I reside Finch. in? Finch, there's... There's a lot going on in the world right now, and it's 
it's hard to explain. But the Crimson Command is seeing a lot of activity nowadays. But let's just leave those kind of questions for once we get take care of this village, all right? Okay, well, yeah, I mean, I love this village to death, and I will look over it, as I always have and always will, but, I mean, also, you're, sounds like you're asking a lot of me. He, he reaches into, like, a uh, side satchel and hands out, like, a gold chain in his palm is kind of dangling out of his hand, and he puts it in your hand. As you look at it, it's actually a small, like, quarter-sized medallion, and it has the Crimson Command signal on it, or symbol on it. And he says, I was told to give this to you if I believed you were worth being trusted. I, I was your test. Captain is waiting for your arrival in Gamor, if you choose, so that we can induct you into the Crimson Command officially. So I don't need to stay here? Because of what's going on here and it being such a detriment, I'm going to ask that you stay here for two weeks while we get reinforcements here just to watch over the people. After. And after that, we'll see what comes of it. Okay, cool. Sorry, I couldn't uh, be a little more impressive. No, you you were amazing. I saw the arrows hit. Thank you. I gotta say, I'm quite impressed by uh, the sword slinging skills you got. Well, they don't just teach me to not sling a sword. (laughs) I'll kind of finish y'all's conversation as he walks towards, like, the center of the village. And he reaches out his hand and shakes your hand one last time. He turns towards the exit where y'all came from. And, like, as he gets about 20 feet away, he turns back towards you and says, Farewell. Farewell. Farewell.